Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. I'm Dylan Tyre, and this is Believe in Ohio State. Ohio State. Good to have you with me for really our first official episode of Believe in Ohio State. Dropped a little teaser last week, but really, really excited to get going this week with our first kind of conversation about Ohio State football. And this week, I'm going to be joined by an Ohio State writer. He writes for Buckeye Sports Bulletin, one of the many outlets that covers the Ohio State football team. And that is Wyatt Crocher. So Wyatt Crocher will join me for a conversation later in this episode. But right now, I want to introduce our first segment that I'm going to do every single week on this show. And it's called Around the Oval. And that is because the central hub at Ohio State, if you're unaware, is called the Oval. It's a it's a big grass space that essentially all of the campus's original buildings are built around, and it's still a, a center hub on campus in Columbus at Ohio State. The library is off of it. A couple of the main buildings of the university are off of it. So we're going to go around the Oval, update you on everything that's going on this week in Ohio State football. So, of course, we got to start off with Ohio State being back at their voluntary workouts. They were suspended a week because of COVID-19, but last week the Buckeyes returned to their voluntary workout. So Ohio State getting after it right now, which is always good news as we continue towards the 2020 college football season. And with that, there were a couple of award watch lists that came out this week. First and foremost, Ohio State cornerback Sean Wade has been added to the Thorpe Award watch list, which goes to the best defensive back in the nation. Ohio State has won that award twice in the history of the program. Malcolm Jenkins and Antoine Winfield are the only Buckeyes to ever win that one. So Sean Wade hoping to become the third Ohio State Buckeye to ever win the Thorpe Award as the best defensive back in the country. He was also named to the Bednarik Award watch list. That goes to the best defensive player in the nation, so kind of a step up from the best DB. Chase Young, of course, his teammate last season, won that award last year. A fantastic defensive end at Ohio State. But uh, this season, Sean Wade looking to hunt down that Bednarik Award as the best defensive player in the country. 
A couple of other award watch lists. Luke Farrell, the Ohio State tight end, was added to the Mackey Award watch list. That goes to the best tight end in the country. Chris Olave, a fantastic young receiver on the Blitnikoff Award watch list that goes to the best wide receiver in the nation. Justin Fields, how could you not have Justin Fields on every watch list in the country? He was named to the Davey O'Brien Award watch list. That goes to the best quarterback in the nation every year. He's going to be one of the favorites to watch for that one. And then the Butkus Award watch list that goes to the best linebacker in the country. Ohio State actually had three guys put on that list. Tough Borland, Pete Werner, and Baron Browning, all named to the Butkus Award, the Butkus Award watch list, excuse me. Ohio State actually the only school in the nation with three representatives on that 51-player list, so that kind of tells you the crop that Ohio State has at the linebacker position this year. Tough Borland, Pete Werner, and Baron Browning, all three of those guys, fantastic linebackers, all three players to watch for the Butkus Award this year that goes to the best linebacker in the country little bit of NFL news as we continue to go around the Oval. Jeffrey Okuda, the third overall pick in the NFL draft this past season, and Malik Harrison, of course, the Ohio State linebacker who was selected in the third round by the Baltimore Ravens, each signed their rookie deals. Okuda with the Detroit Lions, Malik Harrison with the Baltimore Ravens. And then our last piece here going around the Oval, some recruiting news, and big news at that that's going to lead us into our conversation with Wyatt Crozier of Buckeye Sports Bulletin. Jordan Hancock, a four-star recruit and a top-five cornerback in the nation coming out of North Gwinnett High School in Georgia, flipped his commitment from Clemson to Ohio State, so the nation's top recruiting class gets even stronger. Now 12 players in the top 100 recruits in the nation headed to Ohio State in that 2021 class, so really, really big to get Jordan Hancock for Ohio State, and that's going to bring with it a perfect segue to head into our interview with Wyatt Crozier. We're going to talk about what that commitment means for Ohio State, the type of player that Jordan Hancock is, what he's going to bring to the Buckeyes. So without further ado, here he is, Wyatt Crozier, who writes for Buckeyes Sports Bulletin. Happy to be joined right now by Wyatt Crozier. He writes for Buckeye Sports Bulletin. Wyatt, thanks very much for joining me, man. It's been a long time since we've talked, been a long time since I've seen you, so it's good to link up here and get to talk some Ohio State football. Yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about actual football. <laughs> There's so much other talk going on at this point. Yeah, it, it is a little bit refreshing, you know, with the season or the potential season, I should say on the horizon to at least, you know, start to talk about some of these things, start to talk about what we're excited about this year. But I want to go back a little bit to start this conversation with you because you and I were both able to see this program and be close to this program when it was led by Urban Meyer. And now we've seen it for, you know, a season in three games or whatever it was when he was the acting head coach with uh, Urban Meyer out a couple years ago. But we've seen this program under Ryan Day. So I have my own opinion when it comes to this, but I want to start this whole thing off by kind of gauging where the program is at with you. Would you say under Ryan Day, is the Ohio State football program better, worse, or the same as it was before under Urban Meyer? All right. I, I would say at this current moment, it's only been a year, like you said, so it's hard to say like if it'll last or whatever. But I would say right now, it's better than when Urban Meyer was here. I think this recruiting class that Ryan Day is building has kind of proven that. Like he's already – in his second year in the swing of things, he's got the number one class. I mean, probably of the year. I mean, there's still a lot of time, but he's built such a good class. And then to go to the playoff in your first year, almost beat Clemson. Like, that's hard to do in your first year, even if you get all the tools that Urban Meyer left. That's like, not every coach could do that. So I think the fact that he was able to build on what Urban Meyer did, 
fix the defensive problems that Urban Meyer left and just like immediately just get the ball rolling. I think right now I would say he's in a better position than when, it, when he got it. I'd have to completely agree with you because, you know, there's not much, there's not much difference I'd say between the two programs, but I'd say it's, it's almost a little simpler now. There's not as much around the program in terms of that. I don't want to say aura, but maybe the, the drama that, that urban Meyer brings in that sense where Ryan day. And again, it's not to discount what urban Meyer did or, or to say that urban Meyer wasn't focused because obviously he's a very laser focused guy, but it's all football in a sense for Ryan day in the program right now. It's very business-like, very easy. And, and yeah, I I think Ryan day just instills this confidence in in everybody. And I, and I do really like that, but you kind of led the conversation in the perfect direction, right where I wanted to go because the recruiting aspect was, was kind of the unknown I'll say Mm -hmm. for Ryan day, because obviously urban Meyer is the recruiter, a master recruiter. That's why Ohio state is what it is right now, because he was able to recruit the way he was. We weren't sure if Ryan day was going to be able to bring in that exact same kind of crop, but this upcoming recruiting class, the 2021 class, potentially proves that he may be an even better recruiter than Urban Meyer was. Because this class, if you look at the ratings right now, this class is far and away the number one class as, as a whole, as you know, the individual player value. And it just got better with Jordan Hancock this weekend. So talk about what that means. And, and for those of you that aren't familiar with Hancock, you know, he's a top five cornerback in the 2021 class was committed to Clemson. Ohio state just flipped him this past weekend. So he will be going to Ohio state. So, I mean, what does that mean for Ohio state? Not just to get a player of that caliber, another fantastic player. You know, they've got 12, 12 recruits in the top 100 in this class already, but to flip that player from a school like Clemson to come to Ohio state, what do you think that means? Yeah, and just to start with kind of like what you're saying about Ryan Day as a recruit overall, I thought there were signs he'd be this good in 2020. Like, he got Legend Cavasso's back after he was unsure. Like, he thought he might be able to flip people. I don't know how many did, like, one person flip from that 2020 class after Ryan Day was picked? Yeah, look, looking back, I believe it was no more than, like, two players. Yeah, it was, like, it, for someone like Urban Meyer to leave and only to have one or two, to, like, that's impressive. So you could kind of see that he had something going. But, yeah, to talk about Jordan Hand. Like you said, he's the 12th top 100 commit. He's the sixth defensive back that Kerry Combs has gotten in just half a year that he's been with this program. And to get him from Clemson is huge, obviously, because Clemson doesn't have decommits very often. I think before this year, they hadn't had one in like at least three or four years. And then they got Corey Foreman, who decommitted to kind of go closer to home. And then now Jordan Hancock. I mean, not only are you getting him from Clemson, but you're getting a fantastic corner, one who's He's very aggressive. He's really strong in man coverage. He seems like someone who can, if needed, contribute right away with the uncertainties of, you know, leaving Sean Wade, you know, maybe Josh Proctor is a good, like there's going to be potential questions in the secondary next year. So to get a guy like that and to also have Ja'Kalen Johnson and all of these other six, six, corn, six defensive backs in a class is like, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, just to steal him from Clemson just makes it even more of a big get because Clemson doesn't lose guys very often. And, that's that's huge it was a huge get for Ohio State to get him and why do you think that is is it so big that Kerry Combs is back after spending time with the Tennessee Titans obviously he's going to be a defensive coordinator he's going to be coaching up those DBs he's 
a huge reason for why Ohio State has had so much success with their defensive backs? Is it just the allure of going to a program like Ohio State that has produced, you know, a top five, top ten cornerback pick, it seems, in, you know, the last five NFL drafts? What do you think it is that, that all these defensive backs now want to come to Ohio State? It's got to be something with Kerry Coombs, you would think, because like Jeff Hathaway was here last year. Jeff Hathaway did a phenomenal job. Yeah. Like you can't say like it's potentially a huge upgrade because Jeff Hathaway was so good. He immediately gets a head coaching job. Kerry Coombs obviously has that like you know who he is, you know what he brings, the energy. He has now he has NFL experience to, to draw on. So I think it is something with him. I mean Ryan Day also has to be involved in all of this to just be so good at getting everyone from everywhere. But I think they see that Ohio state just had the number one pass defense in the country. So they're obviously have success. You see all the NFL talent that goes that just, it's just endless names after endless names that are first round picks or talents in the NFL. So I think that starts to build up as well, where it's just like, if I go here, there's a very strong chance that they will develop me to the NFL player I want to be. So I think, and Kerry Coombs also has a full experience. So I think, not only to do well at this level, but to move forward, I think, is the draw that Ohio State has for the secondary. Continuing on with this 2021 class, why do you think that it is that Ohio State is so far ahead of the traditional powers when it comes to recruiting? Because the top three teams right now, you know, it's Ohio State, North Carolina, and Tennessee. And those two teams are are surprises to be there, obviously, but they, they've they're making big pushes. You got Mac Brown. He promised North Carolina that he was going to bring that, bring that program back to prominence. Uh, Tennessee is always, you know, on, on the verge of perpetually being back. Who knows about them? And maybe this recruiting class means that they actually will be back. But why, why are the, the Alabamas, the, the LSUs, why are teams like that kind of lagging behind Ohio state? I mean, especially a team like LSU confuses me after coming off of a national title. Yeah. And I want to give credit to North Carolina first because my goodness, Mac Brown is doing really well there. So I know far. I love it. He just he pro like his big goal was to get like the main recruits in state to stay, and I think that's like all but three of his commits are from North Carolina. And then because of that, he was able to get Tony Grimes out of Virginia, which is like the huge splash. So like, big credit to North Carolina. Like I'm I'm very excited to see what they do with all this talent. But it's tough with why <laughs> Ohio State is doing so well. And I think Alabama's really made a surge recently. I don't know where they're at in the rankings right now, but they've been like they've been soaring a little bit. So they're getting they're getting there. But Ohio State, like as soon as everything shut down, they had like that like month stretch where they got, I don't know, like eight or nine commits. I was like, what? Like Trevion Henderson, the number one running back in the country, never visits Ohio State. <laughs> and something sold him enough to like, I don't know. I don't really know exactly what it is. Maybe it's just momentum just kept building. It was like, oh, just so many commits. I guess I'm just going to join this ridiculously loaded class. But it just felt like the ball was rolling so much, like in that March, April period, that I guess it just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really have a full answer, but it was, I think this Jordan Hancock one's big too, because I think it had been since like maybe early June since they got Denzel Burke, whenever that was. That was their last commit. So they got another one. Like they already have 19 commits. So obviously there's not that much room. But I think it may have just been momentum that, that did it. I don't know. There, there seems to be this interesting bond among 
Ohio State recruits too, that once a guy commits, they start recruiting some of these other guys. So I don't know if that's maybe a plan of Ohio State. You know, they they kind of target these more high-profile guys at the start, guys that they know are going to be active on social media, whatever the case. And, and these other guys see, oh, man, maybe I should come to Ohio State too. Yeah. They're getting that pull. You know, we've seen that happen for – for the past three, four seasons, even started under Meyer. So, I mean, maybe that's something, too. Maybe there's something to be said about that. But I want to transition the conversation towards this upcoming season, the 2020 campaign. And I don't want to put a damper on things, but before we get into some specifics of the Ohio State football team, who we're excited about, you know, what young guys might contribute sooner rather than later, in your mind, what are the odds that this college football season happens? You can put a percentage on it. You can, you can do whatever you want. You can say, yes, it happens. No, it doesn't happen. Maybe it doesn't. But I want to kind of gauge from what you've heard. What do you think? Hmm. And, and keep in mind, a report just came out that the NCAA has no sort of contingency plans in place right now. They're optimistic that the season is yeah. going to happen. So what is that about? The, like. I saw Tom Fornelli tweeted it out just before uh, just before we got on this interview. Right, that's that's see, it's it's an answer that like changes by day, as you would as you probably know. Because and that information, I'm sure, changes things for you. A right, bit too. Because there's times where you're like, you read something, you're like, man, it's not, it's not happening, or like you, you just like you see the numbers spiked in the COVID case. You're like, oh, I don't know how they're gonna pop. Like, you can't bubble a college football team as well as you can, like how the NBA is doing and the NHL is doing. First of all, they're college kids. It's harder. And then there's also about a hundred of them on a team. So it, it's a very difficult thing to try to figure out. But like this week with the conference only schedule that they've put in place, I think that's more of a positive than a negative because it's a plan at least to like try to make this work instead of just completely rolling the dice. And then you see, I mean, this is probably dumb optimism, but you see Ohio state posting a bunch of pictures of workouts and stuff, and you don't hear any news about having to shut it down or any about positive cases. So like that's, that's something. As for a percentage, I feel like the cop-out answer is probably 50-50. <laughs> that's, <laughs> okay. like that's, that's about where I'm at right now. And that would be like playing some sort of games this year. I think I would be around 50-50 right now. Because if they do conference only, maybe they don't get through them all. Maybe, I don't know about the spring. I feel like there's a lot of issues that it could be with spring games. But if it's possible, maybe that'd be an easier option. I hope I'm obviously very much hoping there are games this year, but I wouldn't say that I'm super confident yet. I would put it at about 50, 50. Okay. At what point do you think we can start to get our hopes up? If, if we don't, you know, I mean, NFL training camps are maybe going to start, you know, who knows what's going to happen there. A lot of players are speaking out, but at what point, whether it's half a month, a couple of weeks here, a full month beyond that, what at what point do you think we can start being optimistic if nothing changes? In yeah, because obviously there are a lot of cases in the United States, but if nothing changes, mm -hmm. now I, I know it's a date at the end of this month. I, I think it might be the twenty sixth, where like you're supposed to be able to ramp up your practices and have like more hours to to use for your players and everything. If that date happens and like nothing changes and they do get to do that, and you don't hear about these big spikes or like having to postpone them, I think that'd be a very good sign that like things are moving in that right direction where it seems to, to be possible. And then obviously within August, you, you really hope there's some like nationwide, like we're doing this or this, or we're mm -hmm. not doing it because it's August. Like that, like it's the month where games are supposed to start or like could have started. So you would think by like beginning of August, we'd have an idea more or less past 50, 50, if the season's going to happen, because you need, you need the time to prepare. Like they, did they say six weeks was the time that, 
would be best to like have a season. So, I mean, you're pretty, you're in that. So I would say it's, it, it has to be sooner rather than later just because of how close the games are. But I think that later July date, I want to say the 26th when things are supposed to ramp up, if that seems to go by rather seamlessly, I think it starts to become, become a little more of a reality. All right. Well, that's maybe some good news and a positive way to think about it. So with that positivity, let's continue in a forward direction here. Assuming that the season's going to happen, we're, we're, we're having a lot of fun in our minds right now. We're, we're getting, getting ready to turn on the TV and watch Ohio State football on Saturdays. Getting ready for that first game, who is a player, let's say, on each side of the ball that I should have my eyes on maybe that I, that I didn't before? Okay. Um, I would say on the offensive side of the ball, I would pick Jamison Williams, I believe, because okay. I think – He's my he guy ever- too for what it's worth. Everyone knows that Chris Olave is going to be the Blitnikoff watch list guy. Garrett Wilson's the big five-star freshman that already played well. And you already have this big class coming in that everyone's excited about. Julian Fleming, Smith and Jigba, G. Scott, all these names. I feel like Jamison Williams kind of is a little bit forgotten because he's in the middle of that. He is absurdly fast, as we saw in his one big play last year. And I think he has a different skill set a little bit where he has, he, will, he has the experience, first of all, and then he has that little bit of a different skill set where he can play and he can be that sort of deep threat option. And I think experience is big. Like, you don't, all, you don't always really see true freshmen shine immediately. Garrett Wilson is more of an exception than the rule. And I think Jamison William is talented enough. He was a pretty high four-star, if I remember right, that I think he's going to have a big place in this offense. Defensively, I think I might go with someone – I think I might go like seven banks. In the very – and I mean very small um, window of practice we've gotten to see. I think it was one, one or two practices before everything shut down. Seven banks looked good. Like he looked like he was much improved, like really seemed like the guy who could step in and be the guy alongside Sean Wade. Um, he has obviously competition in that position, but I, could, I think seven banks could be that guy to step up and be the, the second corner on that team. All right. Well, for what it's worth, I'll offer my opinion too, because I'm right there with you. Jamison Williams, I think, is is going to be a very, very exciting player this year. You know, Ohio State, that that H back position has traditionally been really, really exciting with a guy like, you know, Curtis Samuel yeah. was probably the the prototype over, you know, the past four right. or five seasons for Ohio State at the H back. You know, last year KJ Hill wasn't as explosive. He was a, a good catcher of the football, but he's not that explosive talent. So, I mean, if Jamison Williams were to step into a role like that, he'd be so, so exciting. And I've, I've heard Bobby Carpenter talk about him too. And he said that in the weight room, he is probably the biggest athletic freak that he's ever seen. He, he's a fantastic worker, has lightning speed. So I just cannot wait to see what Ohio State does with this wide receiver core this season because it is young, but – but Chris Olave last year, I mean, I think Chris Olave, as much as we talk about him and, and as much as Ohio State talks about him and fans know he is good, I think he's underrated when it comes to the, the grand scheme of things in the country. I, I think he is just a, a fantastic talent. I think he's an incredible wide receiver, and he's only going to be better this season. And And beyond that, like I said, there's a lot of youth, but there's a lot of talent too. If you line up Garrett Wilson across the field from Chris Olave, you're in pretty good shape, and then he add – a guy like Jamison Williams to that, my goodness. I don't, I don't know what Ohio State could do this season. And then on defense, seven banks interests me. I, I like that, you know, the, the kind of secondary cornerback pick. But I would even – this is – I don't want to say a cop-out pick, but, again, I think 
Sean Wade is a guy that is way better than we think he is. I think, I mean, Jeffrey Okuda was really good, but it was evident to me in, in some of those games that Sean Wade makes that defense work last year. He is a huge, huge piece of that. And I think he's going to prove that even more this season and prove that he's probably a, a top five talent in the NA, or in the uh, NFL draft, excuse me. So I'm excited to see what he does this season. I think he could be even better than he was a year ago. So that's kind of as much as we already know about Sean Wade and as much as he is supposed to be the star of that defense, I think he is going to break out in ways that we haven't even seen. And I think the interesting thing with Sean Wade is you look at Jeff Okuda in 2018. He didn't play – that much he was really good in the Rose Bowl and that's where everyone was like wow this kid he's obviously very talented Sean Wade was a key piece last year mm-hmm. and he's coming back this year to be the guy like Jeff Okuda was like in 2019 so if you kind of look at it like that if he can improve even a little bit like Jeff Okuda did he's gonna be like that top five top ten talent like you're saying outside of Jamison Williams are there a couple younger guys that you could see contributing this season whether it be on offense or defense or is this gonna be Garrett Wilson, in my eyes, is an older player now because he played last season as a true freshman. Yeah, yeah. But, but are there guys who, let's say, don't have that big game experience yet that you think could step up this season? You mentioned Seven Banks, but he's been on the team a couple of years. So is there a young guy or two that's going to that's gonna make some waves this year? Yeah. I mean, it's, when you look at like, the youngest true freshman, I think that receiving core is going to get their opportunities just because of how talented they are. I think specifically, obviously, Julian Fleming, but I think Jackson Smith and Jacob might be currently maybe more a little bit developed. He was unbelievable at Rockwall. Like, he was so – like, he broke – I don't even know how many records there, but I think he is ridiculously talented. I feel like he might be a little underrated because he's with Julian Fleming. I can see both of them and then even further with their receiving group. I think Paris Johnson will play. I don't think he'll start. I think he would have to beat up Nick Petit-Ferrer, and I think that's just – that's asking a lot from a true freshman, especially in these times. But I think he'll get his opportunity because of how good he is. And then Harry Miller played last year, but I think he'll be the other starter on that line to fill in. Um, so he's going to be – I think he's a red – no, true sophomore. Yeah, true sophomore. But I think he'll be able to play. On defense, it'll be interesting because obviously you have to fill in for Chase Young and the defensive line is like young as an inexperienced, but they're not young. The Caskill Garrett's like what a junior or senior at this point like – they have names, but they haven't had a ton of experience. I think the defensive backs will be interesting because like Seven Banks, you, there's also like Marcus Hooker, I think could be a big name that he looked pretty good when, in the time we saw him. So there's definitely places in the, uh, in the defense minus linebacker probably that you'll see younger guys kind of fill in and maybe they'll have more of a set lineup as they go, I would say. What do you think about Trey Sermon this year, transferring to Ohio State from Oklahoma? What kind of role is he going to have in this offense? Yeah, I think – I think he came here with the thought he would be the top guy. I just don't know if he would do that if, if not. Because in Oklahoma, he was a piece of that offense, but obviously Kennedy Brooks kind of took that spot. But he never played poorly at Oklahoma. Like, he didn't get passed because he wasn't living up to anything. He averaged like seven yards a carry last year. I think he's, he's not going to be the fastest guy in the world. He's not, like, super explosive in that way. But he's a guy who always seems to be able to get you, like, the four or five yards, and then he can break out for some bigger runs once in a while. He's got – I talked to an OU writer about him, and he, he just talked about how like, he might have the best stiff arm in college football. Like, he's just – he's a guy who – he's not going to maybe have the most flash in the world, but I, I think he is a very consistent guy, and he'll be a guy that they can count on, especially if Master Teague does need any rehab for whatever time period his injury is because, you know, Ohio State doesn't really tell you 
how healthy anybody is until it's time. Um, so maybe if Master Teague needs some time to kind of ease back into things, you could see him really be the main guy. But I still expect him to be RB1 with Teague still being used more than he did last year. Okay, that's interesting to me because obviously the assumption before Trey Sermon came to Ohio State was Master Teague would step into that spot. So why are we talking less about Master Teague coming into this season? Is he a little bit forgotten because of his injury? Is it because we have a new flashy toy in Trey Sermon coming to Ohio State? Why are we talking less about Master Teague when he was a guy that, you know, last season he had an opportunity to rush for a thousand yards himself and then saw his usage drop a little bit in the last right. couple of weeks of the season. So why are we forgetting about that? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both the reasons you said. I think the injury kind of opened Ohio State kind of had the door to like get a big transfer and then you see Trey Sermons like on the market. You're like, well, that's just kind of the perfect scenario for them. Um, so I think bringing in Trey Sermon, obviously – you, you think that Master T might be RB2, but he is obviously very talented. And we saw that in all of the third, fourth quarters he played in last year when the other team knew that Ohio State would be running pretty much every play and Master T still got six, seven, eight yards per carry. It didn't really matter. I think he's going to be used. I don't think he's just going to go back to being RB2. I think he would be used more than he was last year if he's healthy. Um, but I guess I would say he's just not talked about because they got Trey Sermon. Like, you get, a, you get a big name like that in his final year. He's going to expect to play. So I think it just was kind of circumstance for him. All right. Ahead of this season, what do you think Ohio State's biggest deficiency is going into this season? I mean, I could probably be the secondary just because there's some unknowns in it. Like, I think Josh Proctor is very talented, and I think he will either grow into it in one year or it might be a second year where he becomes like a really, really good safety. But he hasn't done it that much much like Jordan Fuller was such a like just a safety net back there like he he wasn't super flashy but you always could count on him and Josh Proctor has more of that flashiness in a safety which he might get like a lot of interceptions because of that but I think he might also be potentially exposed I don't want to like he's a very good player and then besides Sean Wade there's still a lot of question marks with whoever that second corner will be if it is seven banks if it's Cam Brown there's a lot of names that could take that spot as well so I would say that but it's also saying that the number one pass defense in the country is now a deficiency. <laughs> Which is like, if, I, if I had to pick something, it'd probably be that. But like, I, there's not really a huge glaring hole, I think, on this team. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point, too. When I'm, when I'm thinking about, you know, they, they had those safety blankets, and that's something they've had for, you know, the past few seasons where they had Von Bell and Tyvis Powell back there, where those are kind of wily vets. They had Jordan Fuller back there. To, to kind of calm things down is sporadic as Damon Arnett was at times at cornerback. He was a three-year starter. So he's a guy that can right. kind of bring some, bring some ease to that defensive backfield. And this year, all they have back is Sean Wade. And like you said, a lot of unproven's and that's kind of the thing that you do with Ohio state when you know, this team recruits like it does is there's question marks going into a season. And you always say, well, Ohio State recruited this five-star, this four-star to fill that void. We believe in him. We believe in the coaching. And we don't think there's going to be any sort of drop-off. A couple of seasons ago, Ohio State's pass defense was absolutely atrocious, and there was a drop-off. They turned that around and made it into the best pass defense in the nation last season. So who knows what we're going to get this year. But, yeah, I, I think I'm right there with you that that is the biggest unknown. There are a lot of unknowns on this defense. The defensive line, going to be young, going to be – inexperienced new guys coming in but 
They're always coached up well. The defensive line is always good, so I'm not necessarily worried about it. against Larry Johnson, like, ever. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that, the only reason that I'd be worried about the defensive backfield, I think, is because of what happened two seasons ago when there mm-hmm. were kind of some unknowns back there and it wasn't good. But I have faith in Ohio State. Yeah. And this podcast is called Believe in Ohio State for a reason. <laughs> and that's because yeah. there are a lot of reasons to believe in Ohio State. And with that in mind, I want to ask you, why should our listeners believe in Ohio State this year? What separates Ohio State from the rest of the field in your eyes? And mind you, we haven't talked about Justin Fields yet, so maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Justin Fields is a, is a decent guy to have, I would say. <laughs> Ohio State, um, it's been a while since they've had a returning starter. It's J.C. Barrett, obviously. When, and Justin Fields is, in a lot of ways, more talented than, than JT Barrett was. To have a Heisman Trophy finalist quarterback come back for a second year is, is a big step up. I mean, immediately, Ohio State just has the talent to be over every team in the country except for, like, Clemson, maybe Alabama. And I would say LSU is not even in there anymore because they lost just so much. So, immediately, you, you put yourself in the talent level of a top three team in the country. And then from there, it's – I mean, Trevor Lawrence, obviously – fantastic quarterback I mean there's a lot of unknowns with Alabama's quarterback position Mac Jones looked pretty good I would I wouldn't bet on him as much as the other two and then Ohio State they've got a lot they've got a lot on the offensive line to get Josh Myers Wyatt Davis and Thayer Munford back for a year is huge like they were already one of the best offensive lines in the country they're only going to get better they're bringing in two five stars to likely fill in the gaps that were that were put in by Brandon Bowen Jonah Jackson so they have the offensive line to help Fields. They're bringing in Trey Sermon to help Master T, which could have potentially been a hole if not because Master T hadn't had a lot of starting experience. You have one of the most talented receiving cores in the country, maybe young, but still one of the most talented. And then, as we were saying on the defensive side, you have some of the best coaches, Larry Johnson and Kerry Coombs, and I think Al Washington has been very good. So there's just there's a lot there, even if your defense isn't necessarily as maybe battle tested as those other ones at Clemson, Alabama, you have the coaches that you trust. You have a lot of names still that can fill those spots. So there's really no reason not to be optimistic about what Ohio state can do this year. Well, there's a lot of reason to believe in Ohio state right there. So I appreciate you breaking that down. There's from top to bottom, Ohio state is, is quite strong. And I think we all know that. Obviously (laughs) special teams. Oh, absolutely. Ohio State, great great kicker, great punter, great long snapper. Oh, they're going to have a new long snapper this year. That's the biggest deficiency right there. Well, Wyatt, I appreciate the, the Ohio State football talk, but for the last thing here, I want to go off the script a little bit because I know you're a big reviewer, and I like reading your reviews. So while we have all this extra time on our hands, let's say, without football, without sports, I know sports are, are starting to get up and going again, which is fantastic, but While we've got the time, off the top of your head, give us one movie, one TV show, and maybe one album that we need to check out. I know this is tough for you, but I know you've got a lot of knowledge in there. So something that's some stuff that you've liked lately. Maybe maybe tell us what we what we should be checking out. The movie's easy because I watched it yesterday and it was phenomenal. Palm Springs. uh, It's with Andy Samberg, and I feel bad that I'm forgetting her name. I think it's like Christian Milati. She's from How I Met Your Mother. but it's a, it's a comedy. It's like Groundhog Day style where like these two are stuck in a time loop and they're trying to figure that out. It's really, it's really heart. It's like heartwarming. It's funny. It's got a really good script. I, it's, it was just a blast of a time and that one's on Hulu. So I would really recommend Palm Springs. TV show is tough. Um, I 
I wish I watched a little more TV. I mean, the cop out would be because it's just on Netflix now. The Last Dance was very good. I really like the Michael Jordan documentary. If you haven't seen that, um, for a for a show that's been out a bit, BoJack Horseman is my favorite show of all time, and I would highly recommend that to anybody. Also on Netflix. And then for music, for an album, I'll go with I'll go with Where My Heart's At. Run the Jewels Four would be the one that I would say. It's it's a it's a rap album. It's their it's one of the best rap duos maybe ever and it's their fourth installment and it's like perfect for the time period we're in it's aggressive it's it's just a really really good rap album that'd be the one i recommend all right that is wyatt crocher he writes for buckeye sports bulletin also does music reviews movie reviews and and there you have it we love it from wyatt crocher there wyatt thanks for the ohio state talk thanks for the recommendations there at the end and as always thanks for your time man i appreciate it yeah thanks for having me man So I just want to say thanks again to Wyatt Crocher of Buckeye Sports Bulletin for joining me on this week's edition of Believe in Ohio State, the first ever interviewee on Believe in Ohio State. And wasn't it good just to talk to Wyatt and hear from Wyatt about what he thinks about Ohio State? Nice to get your mind off of other things going on in the world right now and just talk some football. Because for me, that was really the first I had talked about Ohio State football with anybody else in quite a while. It was the first I had really given a lot of thought to Ohio State football because there is so much other stuff going on in the world right now. But it has my mind in a good place, and I'm excited for the 2020 football season, the prospects of that season. And obviously, the expectations for Ohio State are tremendous this year. They've got Justin Fields back, a guy that might be one of the favorites to win the Heisman Trophy. They've got Sean Wade, who's maybe the best defensive back in the country coming back this year. Chris Olave, one of the best wide receivers in the country. But that's it with Ohio State. That's why you should believe in Ohio State, because every position you look at for the Buckeyes, they have a player like that that could be the best in the country. I mean, that's just the way Ohio State recruits and the way they have recruited in the past. And that's why Ohio State is perpetually a top three team in the nation now. And that's very, very exciting. And that's why we want a football season this year. We want to see Ohio State reach their goal. We want to see them exceed their expectations, win a national championship this year. And we want to see all those guys that I just talked about contribute in big ways along the way. And I think they can. And that's why I wanted to talk to Wyatt. I wanted to see where his mind was at regarding some of those players this season. We obviously talked a lot about Sean Wade, a lot about the Ohio State defensive backfield, guys like Seven Banks, Josh Proctor stepping up. Uh, The wide receiver position, obviously very, very exciting with Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, a couple of those other guys, Garrett Wilson, obviously, and all those freshmen that are coming in. So it's just a really, really exciting season at hand for Ohio State. So I'm happy I was able to talk to Wyatt, kind of gauge where his mind is at regarding Ohio State football this season. So my hope is that you guys now have a good baseline of where we're going to look at Ohio State. So from now on, we're just going to continue talking about the team, talking about the prospects of this season, and along the way, We're going to talk to some other exciting people, and next week, I think we're going to talk to, I don't want to spoil it, but next week, I think we're going to talk to somebody whose voice you may hear a lot, whether or not you're watching Ohio State football on TV or in person at the shoe. So without spoiling it, that's somebody that we're going to talk to, somebody whose voice you have heard if you've watched Ohio State ever. So we're going to hear about his story, learn a lot about him, and I think that should be a very, very exciting interview. But uh, that's going to do it for this week of Believe in Ohio State, the first ever full episode of Believe in Ohio State. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed just talking some Ohio State 
football and getting back into the swing of things ahead of week one. So I am Dylan Tyre. I thank you immensely for joining me this week on Believe in Ohio State, and I will see you this time next week. is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.